It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. What am I holding in my hand? I haven't told my guest, but he already knows. He's Colin Cloud, known as a real-life Sherlock Holmes, starring with Shim Lim. In Limitless at the Mirage, Mondays and then Thursdays through Sundays at 7.30 p.m. For ticket information, go to hardrockhotelcasinolasvegas.com. And for everything about Colin, go to colincloud.com and follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Colin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Hello. Hello there. Well, before I ask anything important, I want to ask you if you use your great accent to distract your audience. I mean, I'm actually from Albuquerque. I put the accent on purely <laughs> to distract the audience. I mean, that would be ridiculous <laughs> to have this accent for real. I mean, come on now. Uh, no, it definitely, definitely works in my favor. I, I mean, I will be honest. When I first started performing in America uh, over 10 years ago now, I did definitely speak way too fast and with way too much of my original Scottish accent. So uh, definitely have learned to tone it down <laughs> and hopefully use it effectively now. So Sherlock Holmes was not Scottish. So how did you develop an interest in Sherlock Holmes? Uh, he wasn't. So Arthur Conan Doyle uh, obviously is Scottish. But um, yeah, I just I read the books as a kid in the school library. Uh, the way they're written, I actually thought they were written about a real guy. So for the first year or so, I actually assumed that this was all about someone's life. And then, of course, when I found out it wasn't, it was like, you know, Santa's not real. And it was devastating. But by then, the bug had bitten. I just loved the idea of understanding people, how the mind works, how people think, knowing everything about someone just from looking at them, essentially. And then that effectively led to me, you know, my background was never really magic. Uh, it was always science. I went to university studied forensic investigation, realized stand-up comedians, if anything, are the real Sherlock Holmes. They observe everything and they can stand on stage and be relaxed and calm in that high pressure situation. And I thought, well, I want to learn how to do that. And before I knew it, I was combining all of my criminal psychology with the stand-up comedy. And uh, yeah, snap forward 20 years later and here I am now in Vegas. Now your parents, when you first worked in forensics, I'm sure were very proud of you. And then when you said to them, I'm going into entertainment, they, I'm sure we're still proud of you, but they said, well, wait a minute, how did he make that transition? So how did you make that transition? Yeah, I mean, it's not the obvious career leap from uh, being in a laboratory one day to being <laughs> behind a microphone the next day. It's the, and I, I was a very shy, introverted kid, to be honest. I mean, really offstage, I, I still very much am. But the idea of being in front of an audience would give me nightmares as a teenager, to be totally frank. So... I honestly don't know exactly what happened. I just know that what I was doing, people were really appreciating it, enjoying it. And uh, and, and yeah, and I think I, I just started really loving sharing this crazy, weird mentalism stuff that I was coming up with, with uh, with, with strangers to, to see that impact, that positive impact that I had on them. 
But no, I mean, they were delighted. I mean, they basically said, uh, you can do it as long as one day we get to meet Donny Osmond in real life. <laughs> and that was, they, they came over last week and they got to hang out with Donny Osmond for the day. So they're delighted. Now that's, uh, that's it. They're, they're, they're thoroughly impressed. <laughs> that's a, that was an inexpensive price to pay for, uh, for your approval. So <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. And four years of my life. Absolutely. <laughs> So the important question is, once again, do you consider yourself, given what you do, and we'll get into exactly what you do on stage, but given what you do, do you consider yourself an illusionist? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been in, in the Broadway show, The Illusionist. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there are just, there are different aspects to illusion. Typically, when you think illusionist, you think well, rabbits wait, ha- hang on one or- second. Wait, hang on one second, Colin. And that is, okay, you could have been in a Broadway play called The Murderer. That doesn't make you a murderer. I mean, as far as you're aware, but let's yes, not get into that. This correct. is neither the time yeah. nor the place. I don't need that evidence out online. Um, I have forensic but, uh, evidence. I have forensic evidence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm safe. I know I know what I'm doing. Um, but no, I, that, that show, basically, when people think illusionists, they think rabbit out of hat, people in boxes type thing. And the stuff I do is illusion in the sense that you are making it seem like you're able to do something. In my case, I make it seem like I can read someone's mind, right. when in reality, I've created a toolbox of methods and strategies that allow me to make people give off information without them realizing they're doing it. And within the context of the theater, we we make it seem like mind reading. But you know, I'm, I'm a very skeptical person by nature, the fact I'm a scientist. So it's very much for me about creating the illusion of being able to read someone's mind, when really there are many other techniques at play. I've watched many of your appearances on various shows, and it is amazing how you're able to pick up on cues. In fact, I'm surprised you're not entering into the World Series of Poker because you can see people's I've been tells. banned. banned. You, you, One you, of the first things that happened, Mirage banned us, Shin and myself, from uh, being allowed to play cards and gamble in the casinos. So I think we're on some list somewhere in Vegas where you know our hair is too easily recognizable that they're right. like, yeah, these guys leave immediately <laughs> i should have asked otherwise him. we would obviously <laughs> i should have asked him that question too he's been he's been on the show and i should i didn't think about asking him about that with you it was an obvious question just because you can read people so well now i'm not going to put you under any pressure to read anything about me because i can barely read myself but if you notice some weird thing along the way here during our conversation please feel free to just jump in and say absolutely huh? so when did you develop the act itself and did you rely on any mentors at the time when you first developed the act? I mean, clearly you were doing it. As you said, people were delighted with what you were doing. But did you have people along the way that helped you and helped you formulate and structure it so that it is what it is today? And again, you're at the Mirage with Shin Lim. So that's a major venue for you here in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I mean, I grew up in Edinburgh, in Scotland, uh, where we have the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is the largest arts festival in the world, 4,000 plus shows per day in Edinburgh through the month of August. So I grew up being surrounded by various hypnotists, comedians, a couple of mentalists. And I was able to absorb that for the full month of August every year, you know, all these guys coming to Edinburgh. And and basically, the Edinburgh Festival feels like Vegas in Edinburgh, which is a much, you know, smaller space, right? Doesn't have the space for this many shows. And it becomes like purpose built for a month. And I just got to absorb all this amazing content. So I think my first mentors were more comedians than they were, you know, magicians or, or mentors. My, my passion was always comedy to begin with. So growing up, you know, I was fascinated with, you know, Ron Atkinson, Stephen Fry, watching 
shows like the Fast Show in the UK, Father Ted in the UK, which if people Google will find phenomenal clips of some of the best comedy ever performed, in my opinion. But I, I really just love that. The fact that with comedians, they are connecting with an audience through honesty and truth, right? For the most part, I'm sure there's embellishment and lies to tell a better story along the way. But I just always loved that a comedian would stand on stage and just be honest with the audience. Uh, whereas with magic, I always felt like when I watched magicians, it was like, wait, they're trying to connect with me through lies and deceptions. And it was like right. this weird barrier that went up uh, in the first place. So I think the reason I was drawn to more the mentalism stuff is that all of that was stripped away. And it was then very much just me and the people. And, you know, I mean, you come and watch the show at the Mirage, you know, everything Shin does is beautiful sleight of hand. I, in my opinion, I mean, he pioneered this, and you know, as far as I'm aware, he pioneered the concept of performing this style of magic to the camera. And and he really, you know, for the last 15 years in the world of magic, has been renowned as this guy doing this crazy stuff. And it's it just really took off for him, and rightly so. It is phenomenal to watch. Whereas, and and I class that as like that is art, in my opinion. What he's doing is a, is a real art. Whereas what I'm doing is I'm I really just love the connection between me and the audience and engaging as many people as I can throughout the show and making, you know, not having any barriers, making it all about me and them and that interaction. So that is why I was fascinated with it. And that's why I think comedians ultimately have been the biggest influence on uh, my my journey. Sure, because you, it's obvious you have a good sense of humor. And with that talent and skill that you have, it's a great combination for performances, especially here in Las Vegas, let alone Edinburgh. So yeah, yeah, I think it's very disarming. And I think a lot of, you know, not all, but a number of mentalists I'd seen in the past, it was always slow and drawn out and very mysterious. And, you know, uh, I, I want I, I just love making it fun and playful and uh, high energy. So the same way that Shin with his magic, it's like machine gun magic where it's rapid mm -hmm. moment after moment after moment. I mean, he very much inspired me to really up my game with regards to how much I really cram into such a short amount of time. Uh, because I saw the impact that that had. Modern audiences, I think, who are used to YouTube, which is where Shin first made a name for himself, they're so used to being able to just click next if they get bored. Right. They, they want it, you know, fast, high energy. And that is, I think, what both Shin and I deliver throughout the entire show. Do you ever come across a situation, and it must just because of the law of averages, but do you ever come across a situation where you just can't read somebody? There are different people who are better at different things like the, the thing we've just added back into the show there are some people who are more suggestible than are easier to read there's like a scale that i've i've kind of learned when i say it's intuition i don't mean in a psychic sense i just mean you know you, you drive a car every day for 10 years before you know it you drive a car without thinking about it it's the same way with picking audience members i just know from the certain energy they give off mm -hmm. their body language their attitude their tone their confidence what they're going to be best at uh, so there's one routine in the show where I hypnotize someone and turn them into the mind reader. And then there are, you know, other parts where I'm the one deducing deep, dark secrets about audience members in the back corners of the room. So every audience member is perfect for something. And it's just making sure I find, I mean, listen, my goal every night is to give that audience the perfect show. I want what they see to be the best 90 minutes that they can possibly have. So every night for me, because I am picking everyone at random, it's always different. And, you know, it keeps it scary and exciting <laughs> all at the same time. But I think people then understand that I'm present in the moment and they really feel like this, sh oh, this show is for me because of the ad libs, the things that I reveal. I mean, you can come and watch the show two nights in a row and it's going to feel, you know, for the most part, pretty different because yeah. it is all about the people. That's the best part of it is that, you know, there's a basic script or approach, but clearly different people 
come up to you or you pick different people and depending on their personalities and what they're talking about, it's always going to be different, which makes it easier for people to see you more than once and enjoy it. I mean, I've had people speak to me after the show, bringing family, new family members saying, this is like the seventh or eighth time we've seen the show. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it's not everyone, but a number of groups. And it's like, oh, we're back again. And like, they love just bringing, you know, different groups of people to come and experience it. And that is, that is amazing. That is, you know, that's a real positive sign that we're doing something right. Does your skill or your talent cause a problem in your personal life and the sense of friends and loved ones? Because if you're reading people, they, they may feel uncomfortable being around you and you may not. I mean, you're, you're making a huge assumption that I have friends and loved ones <laughs> right off the bat there. So, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You're right. Uh, Good point. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I will say, especially when I'm, I mean, I'm always creating, writing, improving, I hope, and I will always be working on new things. So usually, you know, friends and family members, family members are mainly in the UK. So that's slightly trickier, but definitely close friends are usually the first "Quote unquote victims for uh, experiencing the new stuff." Well, that I'm wait a minute, are on. they willing victims or unwilling victims? Well, well, we'll never know because that's where the <laughs> hypnosis comes in. So it's uh, it's all hand in hand. Uh, no, they're they're usually very uh, you know uh, they're usually happy to to watch whatever it is I'm creating, and you know they're people that I trust to give me notes. And again, always trying to improve to make sure the the experience that people invest in, not just to buy a ticket, but they invest ninety minutes of their life to watch. I want to make sure the stuff they're seeing is unlike anything anywhere at a level that's higher than anywhere else they could be seeing it. So, you know, I love getting notes from friends that I trust, and I'm always trying to make things that much better. I like the fact that you're always progressing, and so you're not resting on your laurels or, or your hardies. You know, you just are moving forward and making it Yeah, better, and I think, you, you know, stand-up comedians at Edinburgh every year would have to write a brand new 60-minute show. And you see it now with Netflix as well. They need to write a new 60 minutes. Right. And, uh, and I think a lot of the time in magic, magicians can get very much locked into a set way of doing just a few things. And I get bored pretty quickly. Like I love the, there's a psychologist called Mihaly. Wait, wait, is that, your subtle, is that your subtle way of saying you're bored with me? No, not at okay. all. No, you've, I mean, you've got at least 40 minutes before I oh, start to, to drift. Don't worry. Um, but the Hungarian psychologist talks a lot about flow and the idea that in life we need to be challenged or we all get bored, essentially. Right. And, and I think that challenging yourself is important to staying, feeling fresh, certainly for the audience, but also, I mean, I'm turning up, it's like, it, to an extent, is kind of like Groundhog Day, right? I, I turn up to the Mirage at the same time every day. And and I want to make sure that I, you know, it is fresh and exciting for me as well, because the more excited I am, it's reciprocated, right? And they enjoy it way more. So I just think I never want to get stale. And the day that I turn up feeling like I'm pressing play in my head is the day when I need to massively rethink why I'm doing this. Well, if you have that fear of getting stale, then you're probably going to cut your hair at some point to have a different look. I mean, I'm just going to get one of these hats that you're wearing and we can uh, we can just party on together. That's that's the next move. Uh, yes, I think it's good. It, it, this takes far too long to do every morning. The hat would be the much safer option, I can assure you. A crew cut, I think, would work fine. I mean, you'd have a totally different look, but you wouldn't have to maintain it as as much. Yeah, I mean, this podcast gets something for everyone. It's got magic content. It's got hairstyling tips. I mean, it really, you're, you you know no bounds. It's, in, it's incredible. Thank you. I, I tried to make it as wide of a net as I can for people. Oh, that's something for everyone. I love it. Good for you. <laughs> now that you're in America and you're on, a, I believe, season 12 of America's Got Talent, if I remember correctly. Yep. And what was the cultural impact of that for you in two ways? One, just performing in that and then coming to Las Vegas. So you've, you've got this dual 
thing going on, not necessarily in the same year, but just the fact that you're on America's Got Talent season 12, you boost your profile, probably boost your hair too, because it's bigger than ever. And then, I could afford hairspray for the first time yes, in my life. So it yes, was great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I got tired of shipping it to you. And then you get yeah. to Las Vegas. So let's take it in two parts first. So in the sense of America's Got Talent, how big of a impact was that on your career? And then getting to Las Vegas would be the second part of that. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I never really actually. No, no, don't be honest. Be dishonest. I always like dishonesty on my. You want the lies? Okay. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) I think the the truth is actually maybe more interesting. I didn't want to do the show. They very kindly approached me and said, Would you? And I mean, when they approach you, what I mean is people audition for the show Mm -hmm. and send in videos. Right. But they also have talent scouts who go out and watch live performers. And that's their audition, essentially, in real life, you know. So everyone's auditioning. It's not like I got any favors or shortcuts. But they saw the show, The Illusionists, when I was touring that, and uh, they said, we'd love you to do the show, AGT. And I said, very kind, but no thank you. And then they spoke to the producers of The Illusionists and said, we want Colin to do the show. And uh, The Illusionists, obviously, they know that it's good for you know media profile, etc. And they said, we want you to do AGT. And I said, thank you, but I'm okay. And they went, no, 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 no. We want you to do AGT. <laughs> and it felt like your boss saying you're working Sunday. And I'm like, I've got plans. And they're like, <laughs> but you're working Sunday. And it was like, oh, okay. So to begin with as well, I also I had a number of routines that I thought would be great on the show and they kept vetoing ideas. And I was like, oh man, they're not even working with me. And it got to one point, I was so frustrated with them. I said, okay, get me a kitten. That's what I need for the trick. I need a kitten. And they went, oh, we can do that. And at that point I went, oh, I'm, I'm away from home. I'm away from my cats. If I get to hang out with a kitten for a day, then I'll, I'll be delighted. So I uh, did Absolutely. that, and the reaction, the response from the, the first thing I did with the, the, the kitten was <laughs> phenomenal. And yeah, I mean, the, it, I mean, it's the biggest, it's the most viewed show in America, right? And uh, it, Pretty big. Not Pretty only that, big. social media as well. I remember they put my clip out, they do like a teaser performer the week before, and they put, I, I woke up uh, in the hotel room, and my phone basically had thousands of alerts and I'm just thinking, what what has happened in the world that's caused it? And I looked, and they put my clip out, and it was being retweeted, shared. The con- I mean, it was just it was mind blowing the 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 impact that it had, even in the UK, because I was still performing in the UK at the time as well. And it just everywhere, not just America, but it, and even Australia. I went to Australia for a month to to tour the show, and even there, everyone, not just America, everyone in the world watches America's Got Talent. So. Yeah, there's no doubt that that it was absolutely massive. Now, is it true they approached you with a new show that you would be host of called America's Got Tells? <laughs> not yet. I honestly no. thought you were going to say America's uh, America's Got Hairspray there, to be honest. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. I thought, I've noticed your theme, your backbone gag here. Uh, America's Got Tells. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, right up my street. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Simon, if you're exactly. listening, I'm on board. Okay, excellent. Now, you end up in Las Vegas, and I'm sure it wasn't, you know, you didn't force your way in. It was another situation where, hey, this would be a great venue for Colin. Yeah. I mean, I mean, full credit to him. The, the reason we're at the Mirage, Shin Lim, who won America's Got Talent, and then the champions, he's the only person to win that show twice, which is incredible and slightly showing off. Event. I mean, he's won everything <laughs> at least 20 times now. It's incredible. But uh, they approached him and said, hey, Shin, we want you to headline on the Las Vegas Strip. Shin, obviously delighted said yes but everything he does is again it's artistic it's uh stunning magic to to music and he is the best in the world at doing that there is no one greater 
clearly by the accolades, right, that he's achieved and earned. But everything he then does is like quite intense, focused, artistic. I think he felt the show needed a voice and a rater. And he and I had toured together. We, we first performed back in London 13 years ago at a venue on the West End. And since then, we performed together on Broadway. We toured New Zealand. And we, we've always just had a really good appreciation for each other's work. Again, I said he's already influenced me in the way that I want to make sure that I cram as much amazement into my time with an audience as I can. And yeah, we've just, we just really hit it off. And I think when he was asked to do the show, said, you know, I would love to do it, but I'd love Colin to come in and sort of sew the show together. So where a lot of top names will have an opening act, instead of me just coming on and doing 10 minutes at the start, I narrate the story of Shinlin's life. So I come out and all the mentalism stuff that I do, which is all the audience interaction stuff happens whilst telling the story of Shin's journey. And the feedback that we've had is that we're so different that we complement each other perfectly. We're two different ends of the scale, and uh, together we are just the, the the perfect duo for that environment. Yeah, that's great that you're able to be symbiotic and just make it work, especially yeah. you have such a different accent than he does. Yes, very much so. <laughs> and he has different hair than you. I mean, no, nah, we're very similar in the hair. You're going to have to scratch uh, okay, that. That's, all right. uh, that's and accurate. I think he's not from Scotland, so there's another thing, too. So Yeah, yeah, he has that. Yeah, yeah so it works out. So that's great. Now, when you're performing, this may be a little esoteric, but I like esoteric questions. When mm. you're performing, because it requires so much concentration, I'm assuming, even mm. though you know how to do this so well and you're always progressing mm. and improving, but are you are you totally in the now because you have to focus on people that you are dealing with from the audience? Very much so. And again, we said already, every night is different. But um, I mean, it's easier if I just show you uh, what, uh, what it is I do rather than try and explain it. And then that will give you an idea. Like okay. if I say to you right now, and for everyone watching, just to clarify, we've not prearranged anything, Correct. we've not discussed anything, Correct. I haven't told you to do anything in no. advance. But if I say to you right now, think of the name uh, of, let's say you're back at school, elementary, high school, doesn't matter, but you're in school, okay? Right. And if I say to you, like most people watching this, if I say, think of a three-letter word now, most people think of the word dog, right? Because psychologically, we think in certain ways. Right. Um, but if I say to you right now, think of any random word you want, first of all, don't over supercalifragilisticexpialidocious or hairspray. We have done that to death in the last 30 minutes. But get a random word. Change your mind as many times as you would like. Get a word in mind. Do you have one? So it'd be a three-letter word or just any kind of no, word? No, no, no. Uh, no, I'd say max eight letters. Don't go too crazy. Okay. Just get, and okay. uh, you'll see why in a moment. So All right, I have yes. you imagine I have typing the word. it. But I, I have the word. Wonderful. And if you want, you can still change your mind. It doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. But lock something into your mind right now. And imagine you walk up to, let's not say you, let's imagine someone in your class that you've not seen in years. Doesn't need to be your best friend in case right. you think I've researched you on Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. Think of a random person who was in your class, okay? And imagine... They walk up to the blackboard and they take the chalk and they start to write the word on the blackboard. Okay. And really see them. So try not to move your eye. Keep your eyes open or oh, I can't sorry. do it. Keep okay. your eyes sorry, open. Sorry. Perfect. Okay. So really imagine them writing the word on the blackboard. So just see them. And then imagine you hear the teacher coming back into the room. So you, in your mind, not out loud, you start shouting the name of the person. Okay. So tilt your chin back up slightly, right? And um, don't move your lips. Imagine shouting the name. Don't actually shout it. So you're in your head shouting the name but you're seeing them write it. So one's visual, one is auditory, one's visual, one... Okay, uh, you can stop. I'm going to write down something that may or may not make sense. And the thing that, uh, and the again, thing that he's writing on the board... We not rearrange any of this, okay? Right. But, the, the thing that he's writing on okay. the board is different from his name, though, right? 
Say that, say that one more time. What he's writing on the board is a different word than my, I'm calling his name, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I hope. I hope. And this is about distracting your love. What was the What was the name of the person? First of all, just to get that out of the way, what was their name? Jack. Jack. Okay. And when was the last time you thought about Jack? How many years ago? Just the other day. Okay, but you could have thought of anyone, right? That oh, was like absolutely. a random choice Correct. you just made Correct. right now. Here's yeah. the important part. What word was Jack writing on the board? What word were you imagining him writing? The word was green. G-R-E-E-N. Green. Right. Okay. And just to be clear, I didn't say, tell you to think of the word green. You could literally have thought of any word. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. But green was your choice, which is interesting because the two things that I wrote down oh. on the board. Oh, man. Would you please say I them out loud for people absolutely. listening? The, he's got on the board that he's showing me, which he, all he did was turn around is the name Jack and the word green. Okay, Spot how on. did you do that? So that is the very <laughs> first time that has ever worked. Uh, <laughs> no. um, so like I said, basically I've gotten very good at like distracting. So that I'm, I know I'm, when I'm having you think of one thing, I'm watching for something else. And the, you know, if I say to you, don't think of a pickled onion, the first thing you want to think about is a pickled onion, right? Uh, and I've just gotten very good at taking all these weird skills that I learned through my days of criminology, psychology, the mentalism stuff, tying it all together to create these moments for people that feel like real, genuine mind reading. Now, and was... everything I do in the show is is that. It's about the people, the audience, and making them give off this information without them even realizing they are doing it. That was absolutely amazing. Although, how do I know you didn't have that cat that they gave you in the, your jacket pocket writing with his paw those two words? I mean, that, that method actually appeals to me far more than the years of training uh, that it took to do it. I would actually rather go with the cat. So uh, not how I did it, but I can assure you from now on, it is the only way I will be doing it. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm very yeah, impressed. Good. I am a very bad magician. I only do the French drop, and I've not learned to, to increase the, the effectiveness of it over the years, even though many magicians that I know have tried to help me. It's just So I'm very impressed with any of this. I'm not going to try and analyze how you did it nor will I attempt to. But before I let you go, we only have a couple minutes left. What's the future yeah. for Colin? I mean, so the future right now, I mean, tickets are on sale for Shinlin's Limitless show at the Mirage right. uh, all through 2023 now at the moment. So even though Mirage just got taken over by Hard Rock, they you know, are huge advocates of the show. They love what we're doing there. Excellent. And, and it's a great fit. You know, I think the show really has a, a strong you know, kind of, it's it's edgy, it's rock and roll, you know, it's modern. Sure. I mean, it's artistic in Shinsen, but it's a very, you know, fresh approach to magic. It's not like any of the other shows in the street. It's basically two guys on stage with their skills and an audience. And that's, that's what makes it very, I think, personal compared to other magic shows that are out there. So for the foreseeable future, I'm very lucky to be a part of, you know, this journey, narrating the show Limitless. As well as that, I have just finished writing my new solo show, which is going to be debuting at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this nice. year. So I'm, we've got one week off in August. I'm going back to Edinburgh to uh, to run my new solo show for a week. Then I think I'm going to perform it uh, in California on and off as well for a little while. But yeah, I mean, I think for the time being, I'm loving being in one place. I love being in Vegas, not on the road, not touring. I love having house, friends, family, pets, all in one place. And I'm, I'm just enjoying every single second that exists of you know, being able to to do this and share this with people because I don't take for granted how fortunate I am to be in this position. And uh, yeah, and I really hope that it comes across every night how grateful I am to that audience that we're all in that room sharing that that moment together. And is there a book in your future for you to write? 
Do you know that actually that yeah i mean i've not said this anywhere else but yes uh there's been a lot a few people not a lot like three or four different companies who have, have approached me to talk about writing a book capitalizing on some of the skills techniques and also my story my journey so i think within the next year or two there will be uh some type of book for the public released uh as much as i've written books for the mentalism world in the past now it will be focused on one for uh muggles uh, if you will. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Colin Cloud, known as a real-life Sherlock Holmes. He's starring with Shin Lim in Limitless at the Barrage, Mondays and Thursdays through Sundays at 7.30 p.m. And for ticket information, go to hardrockhotelcasinolasvegas.com. For everything about Colin, go to colincloud.com. And you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Colin, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you to everyone who hung out for the last 30 minutes to listen to you and I rambling on. Truly appreciate it, everyone. <laughs> it was. <laughs> See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.